it was just a mind-blowing experience that I actually had to read it five times. And I must say, it's my go-to book. That's my guest, Nikki Abraham, talking about her choice of life-changing book. So since I last recorded an episode, I decided to try something different. I'm a bit of a bookworm, and there are so many books I feel have made a positive contribution to my life whenever I've been able to implement the habits they teach. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could talk to other people about their life-changing books and how they've implemented the lessons from those books, what it's taught them, what results they got, where they've maybe come away from the ideas in the book and done something different, and how it's shaped them. And that's what you're going to get in this episode. So this is the first of the Big Happy Book Club episodes. They'll be interspersed with the other podcast episodes where we talk about all the usual things around beliefs and habits, goal setting, emotions, and all the things that help us feel more in control, weather the tough stuff, and be great role models for our kids. Only in the Big Happy Book Club episodes, we talk about how we've managed to do those sorts of things through the lessons we've learned from books. And as you just heard, my guest this week is Nikki Abraham. She is the founder of the Winning Attitude Training Consultancy, working out of South Africa. And the book that changed her life is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papperson. So let's hear what she has to say. Okay, so for people who don't know you, um, you are, well, you have been for the last 24 years a leader in a variety of hospitality companies across the British Virgin Correct. Isles and South Africa, various cities in South Africa, and you've worked with hundreds of people across that um, period of time. And then this year, you started your training consultancy, The Winning Attitude. Correct. Exciting news, yes. Did you start that after coronavirus hit? I did. So actually, um, I was retrenched in April, um, and it was in South Africa a few days just before lockdown. We were all called in from our leadership team and retrenched. And it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So, you know, I think it's always been a passion of mine to want to open up a training company. Um, and having said that, you know, to leave a salary-based job, that fear of going on your own um, is a massive fear. So having received the news that we'd been retrenched, it was almost like oh, relief and excitement. So, um, yeah, what better way to start your own business and get going with it? So, yes, that's where we are. Amazing, ah. amazing. And I guess, you know, that may be quite inspiring for a lot of people because I, I think a lot of people have gone through that this year because Correct. so many businesses Correct. have hit challenges they just couldn't cope with. Absolutely. I actually had lunch with a group of ladies not so long ago, and it was amazing out of a group of eight, of pe eight people, how many people have been retrenched. Um, and it's, again, meeting so many different people, but your mindset is what's going to take you out of it. Mm -hmm. So quite a few people have been incredibly, you know, they've almost hit a depression with it. Um, and it's lovely to be able to connect with those people to say, hey, what needs doing? You know, if you're at rock bottom, you can only move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's getting your mindset into the right space of what needs doing to go forward. Yeah. So, yeah, quite a lot of people have embraced it and, you know, started their own thing. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I, I mean, it's it's the perfect time to be talking to you then. And that's kind of why we got together today, because I reached yes. out and I was looking for people who had found books that had a lesson in them that was life-changing. And that's what led us to connect again 
was talking about that um, the book for you, which was the one thing. Correct. Correct. So how did that, where did that come in your journey with regards to mindset and kind of starting you on the path towards going, okay, I've been retrenched. Oh, by the way, for those not South African, retrenched is um, made redundant. Um, so w- when did you read the book? How did it affect you in that whole journey? So I actually, after spending 29 years in hospitality, I then um, had kind of reached my platform of achievement where I felt like I wasn't learning anything new. Um, I was also in corporate and I want to say working for a phenomenal company, but almost at the stage where I felt like I wasn't learning, but yet I was working crazy hours. And because I like a challenge, I actually was wearing four hats when I decided to make a leap of faith and change careers and industries. Um, Really for for the position I went into, because I've always been in training, I've always been in recruitment, I've always been with people. I then decided, well, why not try something completely new and go into real estate? Um, the company that is the real estate company is Keller Williams Reality, which is a international company. And I was very blessed to be offered the job as a team leader there. Um, but with joining real estate, it was really looking at, it was training and recruitment, completely different industries. So I could really learn something new, mm-hmm. but more importantly, it was also structure of a Monday to Friday position, which I'd never had. Um, and I wanted the weekends off because I have, you know, growing up with my son, I was a single mother for five years and I really felt like I hadn't had enough time with him. Mm-hmm. And I knew I only had four more years before he reached 18 and he'd be out of the house. So, I had to make a change in my life. Um, And when I joined Keller Williams on January the 1st, 2019, um, it was a phenomenal experience. But the guy who started KW actually wrote the book, The One Thing. So it was one of, yes, which is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he's written many, many books, but this book just became so profound. So it was one of those books of me who's, worn four different hats in my previous job, used to work 18-hour days on many occasions, really had no balance. So being given this book and said, you need to read this, um, it was just a mind-blowing experience that I actually had to read it five times. And I must say, it's my go-to book. I very often, when I'm feeling unbalanced, I put in my earphones, go for a walk and listen to it again and again and again, because every single time, sometimes only 20 minutes, I'm back on track. So it really has been a life-altering experience for me. And, and that was one, yeah, from having changed careers. And, and the founder of Keller Williams brought this book to me, which is great. That is so, so cool. Yeah. So um, if, you were to, if you were to distill the lessons then, because you've listened to it a few times now. Um, Correct. Actually, quick side note. Are you a book reader or a book listener? Do you have a preference? Um, I have to tell you that I had stopped reading a long time ago because I am a multitasker of note (laughs) and having done so many different things, I cannot sit and read at the same time. So ironically, I got the audio version. Um, while I started listening to the book, which is the one thing, I was doing two things, which was playing Sudoku at the same time, because I have to keep my brain mentally challenged. And it actually starts off that if you think multi- yeah, multitasking is a lie, and if you are currently doing anything other than listening to this book, stop, put the book down and focus on your one thing. And it was really going, oh my gosh, you mean just listen? 
I do nothing else, no Sudoku, no puzzle, no what. Um, so I, I've now chosen to walk and listen. Um, but I have read the book physically five times. Um, it's my go-to book, but I have listened to it on numerous occasions as well. Um, so to answer your question, am I a reader, am I a listener? I do do both, yet I find when I do audio, I need to do more than one thing, which is ironic to yes. the book that I absolutely love that's changed my life. Yeah, I'm actually the same. If I read a book, um, I find I normally would do it before bedtime or when I wake up, but I find it makes me a little bit more chilled and I don't take the messages in the same way. Whereas when I listen to an audio book, I'm out, I'm either running or I'm walking. There's something about moving your body at the same time as taking the information in. I think it changes how you interact with the content. So, okay, if you were to distill for people who are listening to this and or watching it, um, and have not encountered the book yet, what would you say are maybe the two or three key lessons? Or actually, no, it's called the one thing. What's the one key lesson from the book? <laughs> so the one thing is you need to focus on one thing that's going to make everything else easier or not unnecessary. So that is the key slogan of the book. So I often stop myself when I'm doing more than one thing or when I stop myself when I'm finding myself becoming flustered. It's almost, what is my goal right now? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a business goal. It can be a family goal. So it's more of what is the one thing right now that I could be doing that could make everything else easier or unnecessary. Mm. And it's actually making you being consciously competent. So you've been in the moment, you know, so if I choose to spend time with my son or my husband or my family, that is my one thing right now. So nothing else should come into way. So what's the one thing I can do that could make everything else easier or unnecessary? So it's really making you prioritize your focus point. And it's a constant reminder. So if I ever feel like I've got four or five things that I need to do, I stop and it's what's the one thing I have to do right now that everything else can just fall away. And that's really what the book's about. I think because in preparation for this uh, call today and our conversation, I listened to the book again because I remember listening to it a few years ago when I first started Big Happy Life. And I remember it blowing me away. I had all the charts up because they have like worksheets that you can download and, you know, 66 days of changing and all of that stuff. And so I downloaded all of that. I had it all up on my walls and I had things set up. And somewhere along the line, I fell back into old habits. And the thing that made it challenging for me was that I was a newly adoptive parent. At that point, it was probably, I was about two years in. Um, so actually not that long ago, because I'm only four years in now. Um, but we'd had oh, the kids for two years. <laughs> and um, we um, we had, I just started the business. I had another business that I was running at the same time. Um, there was kind of family commitments and other things going on. And so I found myself going, but all of these things are important. And Correct. I, when I focus on the one thing, it's always the thing that feels like the thing that needs my attention because it's the thing that's not working somehow. That's how I ended up um, focusing. So it would be like, well, the business isn't taking off or something's happening with my kids. That's the one thing. But then it didn't always tally with the timing. So it would be like, you know, seven o'clock at night, but I'm thinking, oh God, I've got to do something with work, but it's really home time. And so I 
that I struggled. How, how have you gotten around? Because you've already mentioned at points you were a single parent. Um, I know your family's now, um, you're married and your son's older. Um, like Correct. all of these things have, have kind of melded together. But how have you managed it when things were pulling separately? How does the one thing work when life feels like it's pulling apart? Well, the one biggest lesson I took from the book um, is that it's actually looking at, you know, they say life is balanced. Life is not balanced, you know, and I think the the reason why it's transformed my life so much is because I live such an unbalanced life. Um, And the one thing that was very profound to me was looking at your life like balls, okay? So if you look at your, you've got five balls that you are consistently holding and or juggling, I should say. So even when they say a juggler is focusing on one thing, because even though he has five balls, three of them are up in the air. So he's really focusing on the one in his hand. Mm -hmm. And if you look at your five balls of a work is rubber ball. Mm -hmm. And if you look at then your personal family is a glass ball, um, friends is a glass ball, um, your health is a glass ball and integrity is a glass ball. And if you're juggling those balls, if one of those glass balls break, you've you've kind of lost it. There's a lot of work to be done. And it's really taking the balance of family, friends, health and integrity come first. Work as a rubber ball bounces back, mm-hmm. you know. So, and, and it's looking at your balance there of what's what's really glass to you and what's, what's rubber to you. Now, having said that, I am a successful career woman and I always have been. So work has always been my glass ball. And it was coming to realize that what's the worst thing that can happen at work if I don't give 100%? I could get fired. And that's pretty bad. But it can bounce back but my health can't, my family can't, you know, my integrity can't, my, my friends can't. Those are what's important to me. So when I focus on work, I make sure that that time that I'm at work is my one thing and I need to prioritize and I need to do it 100%. And I think the one thing working at, at, um, at Keller Williams, because they live the one thing is while you're at work from eight to five, you give 100%. That's your priority. Mm. But if you're, child had a sports game, you went to the sports game because that then became priority. And it was amazing working in an environment where they were like, that's your glass ball. You can never, ever miss a match. So take the time and go and work and go and watch the match. However, if you take two hours, if you watch your race, you must replace then you just put in two hours at another stage. So the difference was really for me, it's looking at my glass balls, my rubber balls. And often I'm reminded of that. Um, just an example, last week I had a lunch date and I actually said to my colleague, I said, I'm so incredibly busy. I actually can't make lunch. And she said, am I not your glass ball? And I said, thank you. It was such a beautiful reminder. And I was like, and she had just attended my training session for where I really focus on the rubber balls and the work and the glass balls. And it was such a reminder to say, thank you for that reminder. I will be at lunch. Yeah. I will make sure that I catch up when I can. So it's a lovely reminder. Yes. Yeah, that's such a nice way to think about it. And I guess it, it does kind of refocus you, doesn't it? That you realize Correct. it's so easy. It's so easy because these things are, you know, they're here all the time. Like we have to do, have to do, have to achieve. And we've learned it right from school um correct that it's easy to fall into it and forget where the glass is and what's actually rubber that it will still be there it will bounce it's going to be okay 
and it's going to be okay. Um, you know, another another part that I took from from this book, you know, they really focus on the 80-20% principle. You know, the 20% effort gives you the 80% results. But there's something on the One Thing website and in the book called the 411. So it's also about setting your goals. So it's um, one year, one month, and four weeks. So you're basically setting your goals, you know, weekly. And it's also something I've put into practice. So you're talking about 66 days takes to break a habit. And it really is setting your goals, you know, weekly and, and keeping that piece of paper, your 411, I, I have it right next to me up on my wall here. It's something I look at every single day. So with that, I also, when I'm setting my goals for the week, I actually do it in a headspace of my glass balls first. So I time block my week and say, okay, so I want to have 20 minutes a day conversation with my son. Now, 20 minutes may not seem like a lot, but when you've got a 16-year-old, boy, <laughs> that's really amazing if you get 20 minutes of a conversation. So, you know, so that for me is a goal I have to achieve. Obviously, I'd love more than 20 minutes, but I have to time block 20 minutes a day just to have a conversation with him or get, get it going. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's time blocking your, your dates with your partner. It's time blocking time with your kids. So it's almost saying that's your one thing and priority, and it's basically setting that as a goal. I've never, ever set goals for my glass balls before. It's always been my rubber ball. Yeah. So this has really taught me the balance of setting goals for my glass balls and not for my, and for my rubber balls. But I do it in a, I usually set my goals on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday when I'm in very relaxed, calm, off day state. And that puts my glass balls first. And then how do you, was there anything in the book or anything that you've learned since reading the book that helps you stay on track? Because that's also the other thing that I've struggled with is I've set goals like that, but then something kicks up a bit like you said with the lunch date that it becomes a, ah, um, how do you keep them the balance, keep the focus on the glass balls once the rubber ball starts to feel like it, it creates the illusion of being glass? I think it's having people, and, and please don't get me that I am not perfect. My rubber balls drop all the time, and I every now and again have to you know, glue my glass balls back together. <laughs> I think I've actually written a training course on the one thing, which is called My Six Winning Strategies for a Successful Mindset. So it's very the one thing inspired. Um, mm -hmm. What keeps me on track is knowing that I have to be accountable to myself, that if I'm going to stand in front of a group training what I'm preaching, I need to be living it. Yeah. So that actually does keep me on track. Um, you know, I, I trained this course on Tuesday, and I have to say in the last two weeks, my balls have been dropping left, right, and center. And I was like, you're going to stand up in front of a group of people and preach and you're not living it. So stop, breathe and get back on track. So it is a constant reminder. Um, you know, I don't achieve my goals every week, but I do write fill my 411. I do try. I do have days that are better than others. But I think the most important thing is I'm more consciously conscious in what I am achieving and not achieving, which I never was before. Mm. I think consciousness is is key, isn't it? Because that's where Absolutely. You crack the crack the the pattern and make the change if you spot yes. it. Correct. And I think we get so busy doing what we're doing, almost become unconscious to what we're doing. 
Yeah. So it is, you know, we were talking about yesterday of, you know, sitting in a group with your family and everyone's sitting on their phones. You become so unconsciously competent in sitting around your family and you're actually not embracing that time. Mm-hmm. So it is a constant reminder. And it's not always me with my son or my husband going, let's put our phones on, let's have a conversation. We are the glass balls. So it's, I think the more you share it with different people and different people understand it, um, they help you stay consciously competent in it. I love so. that. I love that. At this point in the conversation, I asked Nikki about the 411 download that she had spoken about before so that she could show us because, of course, we were on video. But even though you're listening to the audio version, I've left that part in because she talks about how it's helped her shape her goals. And I thought that might be of interest. So after hearing what she has to say, if you're interested in using the 411, you can find a link to it in the show notes page that will take you to the one thing.com. I'm also really curious about this 411. How easy would it be for you to show us what it looks like? Oh, I can grab it off the wall. Um, so, as I said, I actually have it. Can you see there? Yes. There okay. we go. So, this, and and if I can show you, so I've got mine for every single month. Um, and and basically what it does, so it's your, and you can get it off the One Thing website, um, which I've subscribed to and I stay in contact, yeah, because it's been so profound in my life. But it basically talks about your one year, one month, and then your four weeks. And to save paper, then I just add all my other weeks. But you can see my December is very short on what my goals are to achieve, but it's almost of two things that I've quite huge that I need to achieve. And I've set myself a goal that by the end of the year, this is what I need to have achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I, I set my goal weekly, according to my monthly and my annual goal. Um, and for me, what is important when I fill it in, I'm not sure if you can see close by, but I have my work goals, but I also then have my personal goals. So exercise, I need to exercise five times a week. I need to do my meditation five times a week. Um, Oh, and the other one was putting up my Christmas tree. That was important for me. That was my goal for the week. So it really is about setting personal goals as well as your professional goals. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Now you said you were working with the author of this book. So what was that like? Like how how does somebody who's written this live it in a way that perhaps the rest of us who would read it might not spot? So working in his company and not with him, um, he's a massive icon. He's got over 190,000 employees. Oh, gosh, okay. I never I, – I, yeah, I don't even know if he knew I existed, but <laughs> I um, – <laughs> he lives in America and he's written quite a number of books, but this was the one that was profound to myself. Um, and, and, yeah, so not having worked in his company and his culture. So, and, and taking that. So I think because it was such a big part of the brand, um, it was very much lived in, in our culture of the company, um, which is great. So even, you know, if I was having a day and I was spinning going, I don't know what to do, somebody would always say to me, what's the one thing you need to do to make everything else easier or unnecessary? So it was a constant reminder. It was almost a slogan of the way we communicated to each other. That's brilliant. In fact, do you know what? I love that even more, actually, because I think – when the proximity to the source of the information is short, like if you were working directly with him, it's quite easy to see how those lessons would embed. But if you're talking about it's one person who has spread a message through 190,000 voices to the point where it's become a company culture, I think it's quite an empowering message. When you think about the types of work that you and I do, 
with leaders in organizations and we talk about company cultures and how that affects individual teams and then individuals within those teams that you don't need access to him directly because the message has traveled well enough. 100%. And and watching the transformation in so many different people having read the book, um, I don't know how many, you know, being in recruitment and how many times, again, in leadership, you're meeting different people, you're recruiting, you're meeting different people. Um, my course I held on, on Tuesday, I had 12 very, very, um, I want to say, amazing attorneys and directors of companies and, and very high powered people who all sat there and, uh, you know, start of the course is what's your goal. And about 70% of the people there were said, we don't have balance. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're on the perfect course, but I have to share this book with you because it's transformed my life. Mm. Um, so I think I shared the book with a lot of people. I love learning. I love, you know, seeing different people's journeys of what can be done better. And if I learn one thing new from a book, fantastic, you know, obviously you mm. learn a lot more. Mm. Um, but it is amazing having lived, having lived it and seen the transformation in myself, but in a lot of other people as well. So I do share the book with a lot of people. If I could buy it in bulk and hand it out, I would. It's one of those for me. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it actually, because I went and reread it, because I sort of, like I said, I, I lost my way with it. And then when you suggested, you know, this is my book, I, I remember coming back to you and going, oh, actually, it didn't work for me. But I've listened to it again in preparation for this. And, and again, it sparked a lot of things that made me realize where I might be going wrong. And one of those things was about this point you just raised about balance, where, you know, oh, God, how many times do we hear the phrase work-life balance? I need work-life balance. Wow. <laughs> um, can you just tell us a bit yeah. about the illusion that is burst open in the one thing where they tell us about the fact that that, that actually isn't a thing. Work-life balance is not a thing. Well, they talk about, one of the things they talk a lot about is the lies, you know, so we think balance is real. You know, we spoke earlier about habits um, and, you know, a habit, if you ask anybody, how long does it take to break a habit? People say 21 days. So 21 days is just the touch of a habit. Um, and it, actually the sweet spot is 66 days in order to incorporate a habit. So how many times we've set goals and we kind of date a goal and we go on a few days with them and then we dump them. We don't kind of carry on with them. And more importantly, we don't share our goals because, you know, we all have a fear of failure. Um, so, so with that, you know, this book really talks about all the lies that we've brought up living that willpower's on will call and we need to live a disciplined life and, you know, all the misunderstandings. And then it talks about the truth, you know, where it's, it's all about actually the way to different, to bring it into play. So the one thing you shared is you read it and you kind of fell off course with it. Um, so the reason I read it five times last year, because I read it in a mindset for my business, because I was so off balance. So I read the book as me in a working headspace. Okay. So in a business set of mind, and I then took 66 days to put that into my mindset of, I only work Monday to Friday, eight to five, which has never fallen in my vocabulary ever because I will, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I'm an over, like I said, I want to overachieve. I want to be the best, but a detriment to my family and my health. Um, then I reread it in the mindset of, okay, now I need to read it for my relationships. And again, over the course of reading it is implementing what I've learned as a relationship. So I read it, five different times in five different mindsets. I then went on to my spiritual life, 
my physical health, which every now and again on a regular basis, I have to be reminded, you know, to achieve your goal, you have to change your behavior. And those chocolate croissants don't help you change your behavior. (laughs) So it's a constant reminder. But and, And that's when people laughed at me when I said I read it five times, but I really read it focusing on one thing to help me transform that, to bring that balance. So that's the key with the balance is that it isn't actually about balancing. It's about focusing in one area, but allowing yourself the time to focus on each of those areas. While you're focusing on it though, the other ones go out of balance and it's meant to be that way. Have I I understood that correctly? I think one, you know, what they say is with balance is it's when you're at work, give 100% to work. So that when you leave work, you can give 100% to your family. Mm-hmm. Because how often do we leave the office and we still carry, we're bringing our work home? Yeah. So it's saying while you are at work, being committed to work 100%, you give it everything. So that when you leave, I mean, how often my, the, the gent who, who was my senior used to walk into my office at five o'clock and say, Nick, it's five o'clock. And I'd be like, but I've still got so much to do. And he said, and there's tomorrow. Go home to your family. So, you know, we do fall off balance. We need to remind ourselves that, you know, that actually you you have to stop at some times. You have to say, well, I need time out. I need time with my family. I need time for my health. Um, you know, again, meeting different people who just say, we don't have time to exercise. We don't have time to meditate. We don't have time for our family. You have to make the time. So a successful person, we all have the same amount of hours in a day. So a successful person, it's how you choose to spend those hours. You know, some people say, I don't have enough time for that. Well, then sleep faster and actually make time. (laughs) That's it. And that actually sleep faster is a quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I use that on a regular basis. So, you know, to make time, I was like that. I couldn't have, didn't have time for meditation and exercise. I now only sleep seven hours and I've given myself that extra hour to do my affirmations, my meditation and my exercise. Mm. So I sleep faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, now this is one of the things that I've I've been toying with because I read a book called The Miracle Morning. Yeah, I know we spoke about that one as well. See, that one was my life changer. Um, but what ended up happening for me is I would wake up at, without an alarm clock. My, I would just wake up at like four or four thirty, and then my brain would start going, "I must, I must get up. I must do things. I must do things." But I found I started to get more and more wound up. And so I've actually had to be quite disciplined about saying sleep is as important as everything else. And sometimes sleep is your one thing because that's how your body regenerates and that's how you ensure that you have energy to do all the, the things that you need to do. So to some extent, it has to be protected. But what I've ended up doing, kind of you've shortened it by saying, okay, I'm going to get up earlier what I've ended up doing is going to bed a lot earlier. So I've cut my TV time. I don't have a lot of time after my kids go to bed. I'm about, I'm about 20 minutes after my 11-year-old. <laughs> then I'm in bed. You know, <laughs> I love she's, that. She's awake after me because she's still reading. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to go to sleep. But it's because that hour in the morning is so important also for meditation, for exercise, and for all of those things Correct. that make such a big difference. But I think, as you've said, it doesn't actually matter how you come to put these things together, it matters that you do if they're important to you. And that's what the one thing I think is, is showing is when you focus on it, you figure out how to create the time. You give up the things that are less valuable because you know they're less valuable to you. But that that is where the time comes from then to create something else. 
100%. So the Miracle Morning, I actually started on the 26th of August this year. Um, and I started doing the savers. And that's where it was exactly that. It's what is more important to me. So it is cutting out the TV time, which is fun, but I need my sleep. I am grumpy without sleep. So I need that sleep. I need my minimum seven hours. But in order for me to achieve, to wake up in the morning to do my savers, which has been life-changing mm-hmm. you know, since the 26th of August. So one of the things you asked me at the beginning, do I prefer reading? Um, you know, And they teach you with, with the savers, if you read 10 minutes a day, which is on average 10 pages a day, and an average book is 200 pages, you can read 18 books in a year. Mm. So since I started The Miracle Morning, I am now reading two books a month. I haven't read, you know, the last time I've read a book, I've had so many books next to my bed. So besides for the one thing, I hadn't read anything else. So um, that's also been amazing and life-changing. But now we've gone into a second book, so. (laughs) So Back to the one thing. Um, Okay, so we've talked about the main message, which is the one thing right now and the fact that if you – you can have a one thing for your family, a one thing for your health, a one thing for your business – but the key is when you're doing, when you're in that space, that's your one thing. That's the key message. Correct. Correct. So who would you say would benefit most from reading this book? Everyone. <laughs> everyone. Uh, just, yeah, I would really say it's such a phenomenal book for everyone to read. I mean, I carry it with me in my handbag, you know, so sometimes if I have 10 minutes, read a chapter, just that reminder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think so many of us think you need to do so many different things in order to achieve, whereas actually you just focus on one thing. And if you put all your focus on that, they talk about the domino, the little domino. So if you put all the focus on that and it's the one thing you do every single day that will re- achieve results. Um, you know, I, I often, and I think a lot of us are very hard on ourselves of what are we achieving and how are we achieving? And sometimes it's just at the end of the day, reflecting, did you do one thing towards your goal and mm. be it personal, be it family, you know, you need to rejuvenate. That's also incredibly important, yes. which you said earlier, you know, so I've always had guilt in having a weekend off. Like, who has a weekend off? You need to work. Where's that? When is my weekend off? That's my one thing. And when I'm drinking a gin and tonic, that's my one thing. So it's, <laughs> it's really embracing life and embracing what you're doing because you need to have that balance. Thank you. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to remember it. I've given up alcohol this year, but I tell you what, gin and tonics are back next year. <laughs> and I'll, be, I'll definitely enjoy and mindfully celebrate just one and enjoy it. Um, so, okay, before we go, though, um, you've mentioned a couple of times about the various courses and the groups that you've worked with and the types of things you're doing right now. If people are listening to this and really fascinated, perhaps want to get um, into a room and listen to you speak and learn the lessons that you're sharing, how do people get in touch with you? Um, fantastic. So my website, I'm not sure if you want to share it. It's yeah, the-winning-attitude.com. Um, and also on Facebook, it's at the winning attitude.st for skills training. Um, I do offer quite a few courses at the moment. I'm doing in-person and online courses. For me, it's about empowering people and teaching. But more importantly, when I run these workshops, I learn so much through people as well. And that's really important. So, um, yeah, this for me is just a very much a mindset and it's a refresher. It's everything you already know but you're not implementing it. 
you know, so it's, it's actually in the back of the mind or you do learn a lot, but it's more of seeing people who have succeeded having implemented it. And it's, you know, what needs doing to implement it. So, you know, they say knowledge is power, but applied knowledge is power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Jim, Jim Quick um, who said we, something about we say knowledge is power, but knowledge is potential power. And that's the thing it has to be applied for it to become powerful. Absolutely. And that's where it comes into the 66 days to create a habit. Yeah. You know, so it's actually applying it every single day. And I think the reason I've read it six times or five times last year and more this year is because it's a consistent reminder to apply it. And every now and again, I listen and go, oh, I haven't really done that yet. So what needs doing? Yes. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, the 66 day habit thing. I did a little bit of research for their research into that because my work is all around habits. Um, and it seemed because 66 days was the average. So actually a habit that's harder can take longer. Like for me, for example, Correct. drinking was quite embedded, you know, growing up in South Africa, That's wine, with <laughs> dinner, wine with dinner. And it's always like, it's, it was part of our culture. And if you socialize, mm. it is you were drinking. Um, and I have Scottish parents. So like we took it to the next level. Um, <laughs> so, so it was such an ingrained part of my psyche mm. and my way of socializing, just my way of being that I would say it actually took longer. It was probably closer to about six months before not drinking kind of became a non-thing where it didn't require discipline anymore. Um, sure. So I think that that's something also just to make people aware of is like the, the more ingrained a habit is and the harder it yes. feels to give it up or to change it, mm. the more likely it's going to be that it's, it's going to be even longer. Because that was one of the things I think that made changing quite challenging for me because then you start to think oh god there's something wrong with me because absolutely one days you're like I've been at this for how long and I'm still no further yeah. I'm never going to get it um so I just wanted to put that out there with regards to the 66 days as well is depending on what your one thing is and how ingrained it is in you well, maybe a longer haul <laughs> ah, 100 percent. you can't do it it can be done it's just repeated practice Correct. And, you know, somebody actually shared something with me yesterday and you said, you know, if you look back to, if you look at where you are now and you look back to when you started, mm. you know, look how far you've come and acknowledge the sweet success. So even if you start falling back, you're still further than when you started. Yes. So it's, it's constantly also celebrating success and celebrating small successes. And that's why at the end of each day, if you've just done one thing towards your goal, be it personal you know, spiritual, physical, um, financial, business, you've done one thing more than what you had. So you're tapping away at that domino. And the little domino, you start small and it goes big. Yeah. So it's just that small little focus and reset as well. Yeah, and that's the perfect way, I think, to bring our conversation to a close because that's really the key message. Start small, focus, do the one thing, Correct. and the next thing will follow. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you so, so much. It's been a huge pleasure talking to you and great to reconnect with you. And um, if you would like to connect with Nikki, you can do that through the show notes page. All of the links she mentioned will be on the show notes page, as well as a summary of all the things we've talked about today and a link to buy the book if you would like to do that. So there you have it. The life-changing lessons from The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papperson. 
the Big Happy Book Club episodes will intersperse with other episodes over the coming series. And if you have a life-changing book that you would love to talk about, please get in touch. You can do that via the show notes by commenting, or you can also use the contact me page on bighappylife.com. Now, since audience numbers and reviews are the lifeblood of a podcast, I'd love to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, leave a review to let others know what it is you like about what you're hearing. That would also help me so I know what else to create for you. And if you know somebody who you think would enjoy or benefit from hearing the things we talk about, then please do share this. For now, though, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.